We are going on in this whole series, we're asking this question, who is Jesus, right? This last four, three weeks, like last week in particular, you know, Jack spoke two weeks ago, I spoke the first week, and, you know, we're asking this question every single week. We're going to wrap it up next week, and asking the question, who is Jesus, um, is an important question, um, because Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? If you want to know what God is like, then you look at the life of Jesus, And what Jesus wants you and I to know this morning, that when other people want to know what Jesus is like, you know who they're supposed to look at? They're supposed to look at us, like you and I. It's like, whoa, right? Jesus said, when you want to know what the Father's like, look at me. And when you want to know what Jesus is like, right, we look at at God's word and reveals that. And then Jesus said, hey, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. One of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. The Apostle Paul's writing, and he says this. He says, we, you and I, are Christ's ambassadors. Like we are his representative. When we speak, God is speaking through us. It's as if God's saying, hey, Christine, I'm using you to be my mouthpiece to speak to people around me. Like you. Like, Whoa. God, you're using me. You know, on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night, we did these block parties. You saw the pictures, right? And there were hundreds of people, right? We've been doing this year after year, and there's hundreds of people. No strings attached. We just go out and we love people, right? No strings attached, right? Knowing that we are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Like, that's just such an awesome responsibility. You know, in our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 9, we don't know exactly chronologically, but I was talking to Pastor Don, you know, who's, you know, our kind of our, our senior resident, you know, pastor and, you know, and uh, who's much older and wiser than me. And, you know, and I said, Pastor Don, I said, I, you know, what do you think chronologically, Matthew chapter 9, how long do you think the disciples had been with Jesus? You know, Jesus walked the earth for three years. We all know that, right? But how long, Don, Pastor Don, do you think the disciples had been with Jesus? And he said, well, I... You know, we don't know for sure, but he said, my best guess would they probably only been with Jesus for about a year to a year and a half. And that's exactly what I was thinking, probably about a year. Uh, he, they had, the disciples had been with Jesus. They had only been following Jesus, John, for one year at this point in time. And all of a sudden, Jesus takes his 12 disciples and he sends them out to do his mission, to do his work. I'm sure that they felt unprepared. How many of you in this room have been following Jesus for longer than a, a, one year? Raise your hand. Okay, guess what, Jason Harsh? God says, you are ready. You are ready. I know you might not feel like it, JC. You might not feel like it, but you are ready to fulfill my calling, the mission that I have for your life. It's like, oh, Jesus, I haven't been... No, disciples, they only follow Jesus for a year, and he sends them on out. And God says the same thing to us. He's like, oh, Karen, you're called to be my ambassador, my representative. When they hear your voice, they should see you working in me, in you. Like they should see God's presence in your life. That's what, God, that's what people should see. They should see the love of Christ through us. Like, oh. I thought my purpose was to, you know, be a mom. Or I thought my purpose was to, you know, make a lot of money. Or I thought my purpose was to, you know, fill in the blank. And Jesus is like, no, no, I have a much deeper, greater purpose for your life. And that's to be my hands, my feet, my voice extended to people around you. To always be looking 
for that opportunity to have compassion for people. This was, you know, um, you, you guys, we, all, we know, we talk about this all the time that I, you know, not all the time. We talk about frequently that, that I run and, you know, and I have a group. There's about 20 guys that we, we run together and, you know, and not all the guys that I run with are Christ followers, you know. They just don't, they don't, they don't follow Jesus at all. Don't make any bones about it. And there's one guy in particular, and, you know, and, and first service, there's like, there's like seven guys that come first service and their families. And now one family's coming and, you know, and their kids are coming. They're not that. Their kids are coming and now their parents are coming. Like we see this generational effect, you know, happening. I'm seeing this with my friends who I run with. We're seeing this happening, right? It's amazing. There's another guy this past week, another guy from our church, and he and I were running with another guy. And this guy... He drops the F word about every three words. Like literally every, th- I don't know if it's a noun, an adjective. I don't know. I don't understand English. But like he uses it every third word. It's the F word. And I don't, I, I don't pull out a Bible or a tract or anything like that with people. I don't do that. I just try to be the love of Jesus to people. And that's it. And on Friday, we're in Wildwood running. And, you know, and he starts talking about, you know, somebody tells him, his girlfriend tells him he has an anger problem. Go figure, right? You know, and, <laughs> and so all of a sudden, and I've been in a relationship and a friendship with this guy for, and he's a friend of mine. I consider him a friend, you know, for the last year and a half or two years now. And just in this moment, I was like, oh, God, is this an opportunity for me to speak into his life, to be able to provide some godly wisdom in his life? And so... Roger, who's sitting over here, Roger and I were running with this dude, and all of a sudden I was able to start speaking into his life. The guy who drops the F word, every third word. And it's like, oh. I was able to speak into his life in just a rare moment. He's like, oh, you know, thanks, Brad. That effing helps a lot. I'm like, oh, man, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm like, you're welcome, dude. <laughs> I almost wanted to say it back to him, but I just thought, no. Huh? So, just kidding, I didn't really. <laughs> Anyways, our passage, right? Matthew chapter 9, we're asking this question, who is Jesus? And I, and there's this, I, I put on the, slide, on the notes there, you know, um, I asked this question to start out with. When you look at our passage this morning, what does this passage reveal to us about who Jesus is? Because we're always asking that question, well, who is Jesus? And what does he say to us about our lives? So Matthew chapter 9, if you want to read these verses, open up your Bible or look on the screen behind me. Matthew 9, 35 through chapter 10, verse 1. There's seven things in the back of your North Point daily that you'll be able to fill in here towards the end. But I want you to listen to this passage. Jesus has probably been with the disciples only for about a year, maybe a year and a half. That's it at this point in time. And it says that Jesus was traveling all throughout the area. He was going out and he was seeking out people. Um, last week I said one of the things that we learn about Jesus is that he knows our name. Like, he knows my name. He knows your name. There's this guy named Zacchaeus, and we talked about this last week a little bit. He's up in this tree, and Jesus calls him out, and so on and so forth. At the very end of that passage, Jesus says to his disciples, my mission is to seek and save the lost. It's like, oh, that's what Jesus like. That's what I came to do. And as his followers, that's what he, that's, so that's why he was out traveling throughout all the towns and the villages and the area. And he was teaching in the synagogues, the local places of worship. And he was announcing the good news about the kingdom. 
Yeah, he wasn't announcing, I want you to notice that, right? He wasn't announcing bad news. He wasn't, you know, you know, he wasn't a Debbie Downer. Now, I can't say it when my wife's not around, so, but you know, right? So I don't say it around, but right? It's not like so often Christians are like, oh, I want to come and I want to tell you all this bad news. It's like, oh, who wants to be around Christians who are just filled with bad news, right? You guys are like, what? You know, it's just like that Charlie Brown school teacher, right? Just like, no, I came to announce all this good news. Like God created you and he created you for a relationship with you. And you can be forgiven of your sins and you can have life now and eternally. You can be healed and restored. And I've got good news for you that God loves you. Not God hates you. It says that he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw these crowds, he wasn't like the disciples who saw 5,000 and said, Jesus, send them away. This is too overwhelming. It says when he saw these crowds of people, it said he had compassion on them. I've told you, I don't really know a lot of Greek, but this is the only Greek word that I can really say and remember. It's this Greek word, splachnizomai. The word compassion, and it refers to your guts, your innermost part of who you are. It's just like it says that Jesus felt from the very innermost part of his being, like he hurt from them on the inside. He had compassion, and that compassion, almost every time you see Jesus do something, you see that word compassion tied to it. He didn't do it out of obligation. He did it out of love and compassion. It says he had compassion on them. Because they were confused. That word confused also can mean vexed. Right? Like these, he saw people who were confused. And how many of us see people around us that seem confused and helpless? He saw all these people, they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Many of us in this room know the story about the Good Samaritan, right? Jesus tells a story about this guy who's on the side of the road and he's hurt and lame. And, right, and all these religious people walk by and they do absolutely nothing to help this guy. They're, they're religious people. And then finally another guy, the most unsuspecting, unusual person walks by and provides you know, help to this guy and encourages him, pays for him and displays the love of God for him. And Jesus is like, oh yeah, that's the person who I want you to emulate, not these religious people. This Samaritan saw this guy and had compassion on him. So he was moved. There was a study done several years ago. And these researchers wanted to know how much the Bible was having an impact upon pastors, people going into the ministry. And so they went to a, a seminary and they, they asked uh, this large group of uh, people who were going to become pastors. said, hey, listen, we want you to preach a sermon on the Good Samaritan. And we want you to prepare for it, and then we want you to, we're going to meet you on campus, and, and, and we are going to evaluate your sermon. So all of these guys said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What they didn't know is that they were not being evaluated on their sermon on the Good Samaritan. What they were being evaluated on was how much God's word was impacting their lives. And they were supposed to be talking about this story about the Good Samaritan. And so what they did, these researchers did, is they had a building that they told them to go to, and then they put someone strategically right outside the building who was helpless and hurting and definitely needed help. And they placed them right outside the door. And so all these pastors had to walk right by this guy on the side of the road. And guess how many, what percentage, less than half of these pastors in training even bothered to stop to help this guy. And they were going in and they were so focused on what they were doing 
they didn't even have compassion on this guy. It's like, oh, wow. These guys who were putting in ministry, they, saw, they were going to prepare, they prepared a message on this exact theme, and they didn't even help the guy standing or at, the, at the side of the door there as they were walking into the building. It's like, oh, this is not having much impact upon my life. I see people and I don't do anything. It says that Jesus had compassion because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Like there's so many people, Jesus said. There's millions and millions of people who don't know me. There are millions of people who are addicted to drugs. There are millions of people who are in broken marriages. There are millions of people who have a sense of identity crisis. There are millions of people who are, who are lonely. Just like there's people all around us all the time. Like the harvest is great. But there's so few people who are willing to say, God, I'll go. Send me. Send me, Jesus. I'll go. Jesus says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of this great harvest. Jesus is like, there's so many people. You know what? There's so many people. If you would just ask them to come to church, they would come. There's so many people. If you would just ask them if you could pray for them, that will let you. They're just waiting for somebody to step up. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him. Ask God to send more workers into his fields. Chapter 10, verse 1. You may go back for just a second. Let me say one more thing about that. Verse 38, it says, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers in the field. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Charles Spurgeon? They called him the prince of preachers. Anybody ever heard of Charles? Raise your hand really high. I want to see. So back, he died when he was 58 years old. He's from England. He was like probably one of the most famous pastors, preachers ever, at least in British and American culture in the last several hundred years. Like, he's been dead for a long, long time, since like 1894 or something. He was only 58 when he died. He's had great influence upon Christianity. And he said this. He said, verse 38, he said, more than any other verse in the Bible, this, these words haunt me day and night. Charles Spurgeon said, these words, this verse haunts me day and night. I can't stop thinking about it. The harvest is plentiful. God, would you send more workers into the field? Chapter 10 says this, Jesus says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Like Jesus gave them his authority, like they were doing things in his name. Now, I don't think this really happens, but you know the movies back in a long time ago, you'd see a police officer running after somebody. Nick, tell me if this is true. Nick is our, our, our resident police officer. And the police officer would say, if you see somebody else running, and you know, back in the movies at least, they, they used to say, stop in the what? Name of the law. Like I have this authority. Do you say that still, Nick? Okay, doesn't say that anymore. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nick. Back in the day, you know, the police officers used to say, stop, at least in the movie, stop in the name of the law. Like, the law is my authority. I, I can tell you to stop because I have the law behind me, right? I represent the law. And Jesus said, no, I want you guys to go out 
and I want you to cast out evil spirits, and I want you to heal every kind of disease and illness. Like you're going out as my representative, and you have my authority. So like I pray for somebody, and I don't pray in my own authority, but I pray for somebody that's like God listens to me because I'm praying in the authority of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name. It's like the authority behind my words. It's not me. It's Jesus behind me. You guys don't get that? Like that's what he's telling the disciples to do. And the, the question is, well, who is Jesus? Well, he's somebody who, who's on a mission, and he has a mission for every one of us in this room. So on, the, on your notes, there's seven things real quickly I want to give to you. Just kind of flip through these things that I, as I think about this passage, right? Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is someone who had a mission. That was your fill-in. He had a mission, and he calls each of one of us to live a life with a mission. It's like, oh, God, you are calling me to live a life with a mission. It's like a purpose. There's so many passages, right? Matthew 28, Jesus says, go out. He's talking to his disciples. If you're a follower of Christ, this is, he's talking to you. Go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Like Jesus like, hey, you're going to my authority. You're going to represent me. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. <clears throat> Again, 2 Corinthians, right? I already shared this with you. God says, Paul says, we are his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. I speak for Christ when I plead, come back to God. When people see us, they're seeing Jesus in us. Excuse me, John Piper, who's a well-known pastor, was talking about this. And he said this. He said, Jesus delegates his authority to those who preach, teach, and witness and pray in his name. Like Jesus delegates, gives us his authority when we do these things, when we share Christ with people. The second thing I think this passage reveals to us is that the need is urgent. Like Jesus looked out and and he saw people, when we need to say, Jesus, help me to see people with your eyes. He said, like, he looked out and he would see. You know, when I went to the block party, I was like, okay, Jesus, help me to see these people with your eyes. Right? And Jesus saw people around him who were confused and helpless. And so often, we don't see things with Jesus' eyes. We just see people who are obnoxious and who we can't stand and who we don't want to be around. And she's like, no, I want you to see things through my eyes, actually. And you'll see a lot of people who are confused or vexed or helpless, like this sheep without a shepherd. How do you see people? What kind of eyes do we see people with? We need to look for that opportunity to speak about Jesus into people's eyes. The need is urgent. There are millions of people who don't know Jesus. There are millions of people who are confused about who they are. There are millions of people in broken marriages. There are millions of people who need godly wisdom in their life. And you just need to look for the opportunity. The third thing I think that I saw in this passage is, right, who Jesus is, that this motive, what moved him was this sense of compassion. It says, again, he had that compassion. And it didn't matter if people seemed important in society, like in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, there was this guy who was a ruler of a synagogue, a local place of worship, and Jesus helped him. Or there's somebody else, this woman who had an issue of bleeding, and she was on the fringe of society. It didn't matter who you were, 
Jesus had compassion. Some of us, we only want to have compassion for people we like. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm calling you to have compassion for everyone around you. Are you a compassionate person? Are you drawing people to Jesus? The fourth thing, again, I noticed, and I already mentioned this, right, about this passage about who Jesus is, that he came to announce good news, not bad news. You know, those signs people, you know, put up all the time, you know, repent, you're going to hell. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, what about the good news? What about that God loves us? What about that God created us to have a relationship with him? What about that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives? What about the fact that, that God created us in his image and there's value? What about the fact that Jesus, you know, came and lived and he died for us and he rose again and we can be forgiven of our past, our present, our future. We can be forgiven of all of our sins. Jesus went around announcing the good news, not all this bad news to everybody like so often Christians are known for. It's like, oh, Jesus, I want to represent you. And I want to share the good news with people. I want to share the good news with people. The fifth thing I noticed about this passage, <clears throat> excuse me, is that the power, I wrote, the power is real. It's like, oh, <clears throat> there's power. You know, we're reading a book as a staff right now. You know, part of what we, how I disciple and lead our staff is we always are reading a book. I don't remember lots of it, but Gabe told, told me a couple of days, I don't know, a month or two ago, he's like, I think we've probably read 30 or 50 books together as a staff. Like, we're just always reading something because we need to be growing. We need to be being stretched. There's a book we're reading right now called Power Evangelism. It was written a long time ago, like 20 years ago or something. And anyways, and this guy talks about in this book, Power Evangelism, that, that Jesus just didn't, didn't, didn't proclaim the good news but then he demonstrated the power of God. There was a proclamation and then a demonstration. It's like when God calls us to be his ambassador, he calls us. He wasn't just speaking. He's speaking to all of his disciples that you are to go out and proclaim the good news. And then you're to demonstrate it. Pray for people to be healed. Pray for evil spirits to be cast out of, uh, out of people who are demon-possessed. Like it happens. Like it's a real thing, Jesus said. And you have my authority and you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to be praying for these things. So there's this power and the power is real that Jesus gives us. There's a couple of passages of scripture I think that demonstrate this. And as I thought about it, Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, uh, um, it says, now, now, O Lord, the, the disciples are praying. They say, hear their threats, these people threatening us, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand, God, with healing power. <coughs> may, many, may many miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Like, oh, Jesus, we're praying that miraculous signs and wonders, we're praying for this power to be done through our lives that we point people back to you, God. I don't want to just proclaim it. I'm going to trust you and believe and ask for you to bring healing and deliverance in people's lives, to set people free, for their eyes to be open. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. It says, the apostles stayed there a long time and they preached boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true. How did God prove their message was truth? <clears throat> Thank you, Randy. He proved their message was true. How? By giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. It's like, oh, God, would you 
would you give me boldness? And then would you see miracles happen as I pray for people? Like, I trust you, Jesus. I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to trust you with the results. The sixth thing I think I want to encourage us, like, who is Jesus? Well, he's someone, you know, he told us that the catalyst for all these things to happen is prayer. Jesus says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Like, God, I'm looking to you. I'm praying. I'm asking that you change my heart. I'm asking Jesus that you give me eyes of compassion. I'm asking that you do miraculous things in me and through my life for the people that I'm around and praying for. Jesus, would you do something incredible through my life? The catalyst is prayer. God, I want to be focused. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I like to, I like to you know, podcasts and, you know, I think I've damaged my hearing because my earbuds have been in so much and, you know, some, you know. But what I've kind of discovered a couple last month, God's kind of been, you know, speaking to me about that. Well, one he's been speaking about is too loud in my ears. But number two, you know, I get too, so distracted. You know, I'll just sit there and listen to a podcast for hours on end. And I'm like, God's like, no, I want you to be a little bit more quiet so you can actually hear my voice instead of just filling your head with all these other voices. Right? And begin praying about these opportunities that I give you because you miss so many. God's like, oh, I want you to be a little bit more quiet so you can hear my voice. Jesus is the catalyst to this harvest, this prayer. The last thing, number seven, it says six, but number seven. I wrote the potential is vast. Like, what does Jesus want us to learn? He says, you know, I want to reveal who I am and I want to reveal what you're called to do. And I want you to know that the, the, it says the harvest is plentiful. I didn't put it in here, but the harvest is plentiful, Jesus says. So ask him to send more workers into the field. Jesus says that the workers actually are few. The workers are few. It's like, oh, Jesus. Again, if, if we would just ask. You know, one of the things I've been talking to staff about recently is that when people share their needs with us, Instead of thinking in our head, hey, I'll pray for you later, or instead of saying, hey, I'll pray for you later, one of the things I've been telling the staff is that when someone shares their need, when someone shares what's going on in their life, to say in that moment, hey, do you want me to pray for you now? And they might say, no, which is fine. You know, don't, 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 you know, be respectful, right? But when they share their need, you say, hey, do you want me to pray for you now? Because you're being the presence of Christ to that person in that moment. And you might be shocked and surprised how many people, when they share something going on in their life, maybe it feels like they're gossiping. Maybe it feels like they're complaining. Whatever, right? Maybe it feels overwhelming for you to just pause in that moment and recognize that you are being sent to the harvest field and just say, hey, God, I know the disciples were only with you for a year. I've been serving you for a long, long time, way longer than that. In this moment, I'm going to stop and say, do you want me to pray for you? And you'll be shocked at how many people will say, yeah, would you pray for me? And God is giving you an opportunity to be his presence in that moment. Who is Jesus? Jesus is one who had a mission. And he has a mission for you and I also. Will you be the one that says, God, send me, use me.
I want to be a worker in the harvest field.